Are you all ready to get into the Word? Normally I have a, a special music time that I can recover a little bit from the praying time. But today is Communion Sunday. The first Sunday of each month we have set as a, the date for Communion. So we do have it at up, this up here, the bread and the, and the juice. So as we go through today's sermon, be thinking about that. Be thinking about the importance of it. And be, be, just be preparing yourself for it. And we are going to be in Hebrews today. So you can turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I finished up last week with these verses that are on the front of the bulletin because I wanted to get to the looking unto Jesus in verse 2. And uh, all of the troubles that people went through at the end of chapter 11 and all of those things that most people don't want to talk about that are at the very end, some horrible things, because everything looks so good, everything looks so great as you're going through Hebrews 11, and then when you, when you get to uh, um, 35 of 11, it says, and others were tortured, and it's like, wait a minute, I, don't, I didn't sign up for that, and most of us do not want to go through torture. Most of us do not want to be sawn asunder, being sawn in half. Uh, there are Christians in different parts of the world that literally have to watch out for people coming after them so that they can make a spectacle of them, video them, even cut their heads off and see how they react to that. And there were some Coptic Christians a few years back, several of them that were let out and videotaped and they all knew that they were about to lose their heads. And they all stood there and sung praises to God as it was being done to them. And out of that, there were many, many people in the Muslim faith that turned from Islam and became Christians. Many did because of how, they, uh, how those Christians went to their death, made such an impression and changed the hearts of the very people who wanted to cause those people to deny their faith in Jesus Christ, but they wouldn't, they would rather go to their death than to deny Christ. And that's what all this is talking about right here. When we get to this part of Hebrews, and we have, uh, you know, let's, I'm, I'm going to read, uh, which we've all, we've all read this this morning. But I'm going to read it again just to get started. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doeth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Every person has got a race that has been set before you individually. So we all have different 
events that we are personally accountable for. And uh, one person's race over here is different than the race of this person over here. And we don't need to be worried about who can run the race better than the other person because it's your race. And we've been given, and, and, and what is this a response to? All of chapter 11 and all of those people that are listed, all of them leading all the way up to this wonderful part of chapter 12 where we are, we are told to run, run with patience the race that is set before us. Notice it's a comma there. Comma. Looking unto Jesus. And when that says, well, that, that word looking unto Jesus, if you was to get into the Greek word of it, it would be... Uh, purposely not looking at everybody else, turning away from all the other things you could look at so that you can look at Jesus and Him alone. It's more than just looking to Him, but it's denying everything else that is competing for your attention and uh, looking away from them and looking to Jesus, and that's how you're going to be able to run the race that is set before you. Because without looking to Him and His example, you won't be able to do it. As great as all these people that were, that were uh, shown in chapter 11, how great they handled all these things, but every one of them had something in common, they were looking to their heavenly Father. They were looking to Jesus, and that's how they were overcomers. So all of this is in response to something that happened back in chapter 10. So if you want to flip back a, a one page, you probably just need to, if you're sitting at 12, you probably can turn back one page and, and look at... Uh, Chapter 10, starting with verse 34. For ye, and ye is each and every one of you individually. For ye had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. So we are looking beyond this earthly uh, time that we have here. We're looking beyond that. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. That's looking to this afterlife, this trip to heaven one day, being with our Lord. That is the reward. For we have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come and will not tarry. He's, he's, it might seem like it's been a long time for you, but it's perfect timing for, for our Lord. And he is going to come exactly when he's supposed to. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, 
my soul shall have no pleasure in him. This is, this is the person writing Hebrews, which very well could be Paul. We don't know for sure. But he would, not, would have no pleasure in a person who would draw back. Then he says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So if you're a true believer, then you are in the group that believe to the saving of the soul, but if you don't follow through with this, chances are you are an unbeliever to begin with, and that's just what's going to happen. You're not going to persevere to the end because you're not a believer. You're maybe a pretender. There's lots of pretenders that come to the church house. We need people to hear the gospel story, to hear what the Word of God says. Uh, and, and as they hear the Word of God, that's why I like to read a lot of the Word of God and encourage you to read a lot of the Word of God on your own because the Word of God enlightens your soul. That's what it will do. I promise you it will do that. It will enlighten your soul. And then we pray that the Holy Spirit would, would move amongst the people because at the time that your soul is being enlightened to the Word, then the Holy Spirit can, can touch your soul and convict your soul that you are a sinner going to hell forever because of just being a human being. You came into the world, you're a sinner, you're lost, and you need Jesus to save you. And without that, you're, you're not going to make it. You need the strength of Jesus. You need to be looking to Jesus and His example. And without the Holy Spirit convicting you, you'll never see it. Without the Word of God being, being given out, your soul will not be enlightened. And when those two things come together at the same time, there's a wonderful conception that happens and it results in a new birth. We need that. Everyone must be born again or you will not see the kingdom of God. It's impossible. You will not inherit the kingdom of God without a born-again experience. Now, <clears throat> back over to uh, 12, 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him, notice he's looking at what's going to happen after. Enduring the cross, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and now he's set down at the right hand of the throne of God, and he's up there interceding for us. He is the, he is the leader of this uh, cloud of witnesses. See, this cloud of witnesses is all these people that were listed in 11, and I think it's also probably for us here, there are people who have gone before us, people who have kept this church open for so many years, that came to this church faithfully. They made this church a place that was welcoming to other people in the community. They Asked their loved ones to come here. They just wanted people to be here so that we can 
uh, enjoy fellowship in the Lord. And those people who have uh, brought up uh, their, their children and brought them here, and they have passed on, and now they're part, I think they're part of this great cloud of witnesses, so there are people that are watching and cheering us on as we go through this Christian walk. Verse 3, For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin. See, you've never been asked to shed your blood for your own sin. It would be worthless. But Jesus has done it. He endured the cross. He shed his blood so that none of us would have to. Do you all understand that? Now, there's people that need to understand that Jesus left glory, came down here, was born as a person. He was a human being, but yet he was still God but yet he was a human, and he grew up, and he wasn't like any other royalty. He was a common person. Notice, just notice how he was born and where he was born, who his parents were, and how humble he was, and how he grew up in an in a area that people would say, what good can come out of Nazareth? That's the type of person he chose to be when he showed up on this earth. He was falsely accused. He was nailed to a cross when all the people in leadership didn't want it to happen. They kept giving every, all the people that were trying to kill him a way out of it. How about this Barabbas guy? What about him? You want, you, uh, you want him released or do you want Jesus released? Well, the common sense answer would be you need to le- release Jesus because he's no threat. You, you release somebody like Barabbas, there'll be, there'll be crime in the street. He might kill you. But yet they said, release Barabbas. We want Jesus to be crucified. <clears throat> Barabbas represents each and every one of us. A person who was condemned to death and should have been hanging on that middle cross that day, but somebody took his place. So as Barabbas walks free, not deserving it, every one of us should look at him walking away and and think, that's me. I should have went to that death. I should have been punished for it. Jesus was perfectly innocent. He should not have gone to that cross. And as we watch Barabbas walk away, we see us walking away and Jesus taking our place. And it's so important that we understand that's what he did. That we understand that he didn't deserve to die. He had no sin. But he willingly took on all of our sins on himself and died in our place. Verse 5, And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son 
whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth, dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then, then are ye bastards or illegitimate and not sons? <clears throat> Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening, for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. So none of us have ever said, when we got, remember when you were little, and you get in trouble, and now us older people, we've kind of lost that in this generation. You, it, it's looked down upon to chasten with the rod, even though the Bible in many places in Proverbs talk about if you spare the rod, then you hate the child. But we can look back and think about getting in trouble, and our dads would go and get a switch, and, and w did, you, did you go, man, I sure hope he gets a good one, one that hurts real bad. We, none of us said that. It didn't seem good at the time. We hated it at the time. But did it get you on the right course? Did it make you think twice the next time you got into some evil? You got into some bad things. But if you didn't have a father to correct you, then you may have went on to those bad things and it got worse and worse and worse for you. Well, if our heavenly... Well, if our earthly father were suppo was supposed to chasten us, and, and also, most dads, <clears throat> he could catch a group of you doing bad things, and he would snatch you out, and he would spank you because you were his. He may not have done anything to the others because they're not his kids. And it, So think about your heavenly father. If you're a believer and you're his child and you start going the wrong direction, if you start doing the things you're not supposed to do, I promise you, he, he will chasten you. He will punish you for it. He will correct you and try to get you back in line because you are his. If you're able to get away with all kinds of bad things in your life and nothing ever happens, there's no consequences it seems like, then you're probably not a child of God. And you should be, your eyes should be open, and you should say, wait a minute. If I had a heavenly father, he would be taking me out behind the woodshed right now for what I'm doing. Now, no chastising for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. In Proverbs 3, you may want to write this down, Proverbs 3, verses 11 and 12 say, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, 
neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delight. Now, what we just read in Hebrews is probably referring directly to that proverb. The person who wrote Hebrews is looking back at Proverbs 3, 11, and 12, and he is talking about what it says there. Also, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that, as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. We need to expect it. If we are children of God, if you are a true believer, expect the chastening of the Lord. Please expect it. Because our Heavenly Father loves us and does not want to see us go astray. Remember, you want to be more like Abraham and less like Lot. Abraham did bad things. God always got after him on it. Always did. Abraham went through some rough times. All of these people had trials and tribulation in their lives. We want all the blessings, we want all the good things, but how do we respond when something bad happens? When things aren't going quite right? The first verse says, back up to verse 1 and 12, let us lay aside every weight. That's, then, it, then it talks about get rid of the sin in your life. Okay, what's the difference? A weight could be something that is actually a blessing. You could put a person that God has blessed you with above him. That becomes a weight. It's great that you treat that person wonderful, that you love them dearly. But if you put them above God, then that's a weight. It's keeping you from uh, running this race. You could be blessed with things on this earth. Things, just, just uh, things you may have to keep uh, up and running. Things that you have to pay taxes on. They, all kinds of blessings that you, you have to spend so much time keeping those things going or having those things that it becomes a weight. So they can be even good things in this life, can be a weight. So a runner might even put on you have somebody training to run, might actually put weight on them and train with weights so that when they take the weights off, they feel like they can fly and they perform way better. So we can take off some weights that are the worldly things and get rid of them and we'll be able to walk this Christian walk better. But what about the sin? See, the sin will easily beset you. It is a, it is a uh, sin in your life will cause you to fall down, to trip over things. And you won't be able to live a Christian life like you're supposed to. So we need to go back to uh, Gilgal. So anybody that, that listens to Wednesday night message, that makes sense to you. Uh, 
on Wednesdays, we're talking, we're in Joshua on Wednesdays right now. We went through all of Deuteronomy, and now we're into Joshua. And as they are fighting their battles, as they go into the promised land, they always go back to Gilgal. They're in Gilgal, they're camped out at Gilgal, they go to Jericho, get a big victory, go back to Gilgal. All right, they go to Ai, get whipped, go back to Gilgal. What happened? See, Gilgal is self-judgment. That, that's what it means. It's the place where they were, they were finally circumcised, all the people who came into the promised land, all the people were circumcised, and they got things right, got rid of the flesh, and it's a place of self-judgment. And we all need to go back there every day. We're out walking, we're, and we're facing these battles. See, uh, the book of Joshua goes perfect with all this right here. And we even see it, and if you go back to uh, verse 30 of chapter 11, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. And right, talking about Rahab, she was the woman who was in Jericho. The, the, the Gentile who was in Jericho. And she lived because she believed God. She had more faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than the people of Israel seemed to have. And it's, it's a bright spot in this list of all these people because we are Gentiles. And Rahab represents us. And all of this is for us if we believe on the Lord Jesus. Now, bad things happen to us as we're, we're uh, walking this Christian walk. And sometimes we can't explain these things. We, 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 it's like, why do these things happen to good people? Why do these bad things happen to believers? Well, it could be God directing you, God testing you, and giving you an opportunity to handle it different than a person who didn't believe would handle it. Just like those Christians that were, that were walked out and lined up and, and massacred, basically. Those things might happen. Uh, there's a story about uh, a, a, a couple who had a, a baby, had the baby for a little while, and the baby died. And... John Phillips was talking about, about that in his commentary on Hebrews. And he was saying that this young couple, they were very tore up over it, and of course they were. <clears throat> and they just couldn't understand why God would do that to them, take their little baby away. And they ended up going over to the Holy Land. There was a trip that they had planned, and they went over to Israel, and they were over there for a while, and they were, they were going around touring everything out, and they noticed a shepherd who was uh, down at the river, and the water was moving kind of swift, and there was a shepherd who had a bunch of sheep with him, and he was trying to get the sheep to go across that water. Well, you know sheep hate running water. They hate swift water. They want still water. You lead them, lead the sheep down to the still water, Psalm 23. You know, in a, in a, in a river, a, a rushing water, think about God's calling you into this Christian walk. And you can't see everything. You, the water, we don't know how deep it is. And, it, and it's a little swift. And there might be creatures in that water. 
and I, I'm scared. But, but, he, but the shepherd has called you to come across. He wants you to come. And he tells you you can do it. But there's so many things that are, are uh, you just don't know yet. And that would mean you would have to trust him completely. So this couple was watching as the shepherd was trying to get these sheep to come over, and they didn't want to go through. So, and he had walked through the water, and they wouldn't follow him. So he went back, and he picked up one of the little baby lambs and picked it up, and he carried it down through the stream, went over to the other side, and set that little baby lamb on the other side. That little baby lamb's mom saw her little baby on the other side, and she forgot about anything that was scaring her, and she went right down into that water, went to the other side to get to her baby. And of course, when the other sheep saw that she could do it, they did too. And the couple thought that maybe it was a sign to them that God took their baby and that they would do everything they could to, to be with that baby one day in heaven. And they would do it God's way. And they would walk this Christian life. And they would be a good example of all those who might be watching. That if the shepherd calls you, you can go. And many others will follow. Now we have communion that we want to do today. So we are going to do that now. I'm going to read something to you out of uh, 1 Corinthians. This communion is something that we are told to do as Christians. Now, I want you to understand that it is a very serious thing. And we should have some godly fear about it. But I want each and every one of you to understand that I am not inviting you to the Lord's Supper. I'm not receiving you as a guest because I'm one of the guests. Our, our Lord has called us, has invited us to come to His Supper. And I've just showed up because I was invited. That's why I'm here. So... I'm just welcoming you because you got invited too. So I'm welcoming you to come and have the Lord's Supper with me because I was invited like you were. And I'm going to be reading out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting with verse 23. If you want to turn there, you can. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And everybody, um, listen closely. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. That's why we do it, to remember Jesus and what he did, his body broken for us. 25, after the same manner also he took the cup, 
when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye, each and every one of you, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. We are remembering his shed blood. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So do not take it unworthily. But let a man examine himself. Let's all go to Gilgal for a little bit for self-judgment. Let every man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. That means you've died because you took the Lord's Supper unworthily. For if we, judge, if, if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Now that right there isn't talking about salvation. Because <clears throat> oh, this is for believers. And there were believers who died because they took it unworthily. That didn't mean they went to hell. That just means they died as punishment because they took it unworthily. There were many that were sick. Now, it should be very obvious that if you're not a believer, you shouldn't take it. But even if you are a believer, you need to take it worthily. You need to have some self-judgment about you. If there's, if there's secret sin in your life and uh, you take this without getting in that right, if you have unforgiveness in your heart to somebody and you come up and take this, you could be chastised for doing it unworthily. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry or wait one for another. There are some people who uh, attend this church that do not take communion when we pass it out. We're not judging anybody. If you don't feel like you're worthy to take it today, that's fine. But I've given you the gospel message. I, I just hope that you would, you have heard it and you believed it. And that if you love the Lord and you are in your, in your heart, you can truly say, He died for me. He shed His blood for me. And I want that salvation, that free gift of salvation. I want it. And pray to God that he would give that to you right now. And then just think about the things in your life that are not right. And just simply pray to God right now. Father, forgive me that I haven't forgiven this person. Forgive me for the sin that I've been hiding. Father, I need to get it out of the way because it's messing up my walk. Father, you're calling me to come, come to you through this scary river. This, this, I can't see the bottom, but Father, you've told me I can do it. And Father, I need to get off the weight. I need to get off the stuff that would cause me to fall down. 
and, and, and I, want it, I want it gone, and we can do that. Each and every one of us can do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for all your many blessings. Father, I pray that each and every person here understands that you have invited them to your supper. And Father, we do remember you. We remember you in allowing your body to be nailed to a cross and broken for us. And Father, we remember that your blood was shed. And Father, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Thank you, Father.